Welcome to Packet Pushers, the greatest data networking podcast that's existed so far. Well, or not, as the case may be. Uh, today, we return to the IETF 99 conference. And as always, thanks to Huawei for giving us some financial support to be here. We really appreciate them because we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Now, today, I'm being joined by people who want to talk about path-aware networking. Now, when you first start thinking about path-aware networking, it's usually like, well, duh, don't we make paths? And the answer is... I'm told reliably is that actually there's more to this than meets the eye and when you start thinking about it actually it's like looking into the bottom of a bucket of water that's got a mirror in the bottom and you just go like oh my gosh. So joining us today is Brian Trammell and you're with the ITF so you're with the working group on this. So I'm uh, one of the research group chairs. I'm also a researcher at ETH Zurich mm -hmm. so the, the Federal Technical University in Switzerland. That's what I was trying to get at which was your your alliances, just to yeah. make sure where your background comes from. And also joining us is... Uh, Jen Linkova. I'm a network engineer at Google. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. So let's kick off the first discussion with why are we chartering a networking a working group at the IETF around path-aware networking? What's the purpose? Well, so I should say it's a research group, right. okay. um, which is a, um, it's a slightly different thing. It's, you know, we meet at the um, IETF meetings, we have the same microphones, we have sort of the same support structure. Um, whereas a working group um, is meant to look at a problem right now where we need standardization so that we can get our interoperability, you know, mm. something that's up and running, that's, that's solving a, a problem that we know we have and we know how to solve. Research groups are looking at problems that we know we have that we don't know how to solve. Right. Right. And the problem that we know we have that we don't know how to solve is that we have an internet where we have um, endpoints that the only way they can get any control out of the network is through the address, right? You can say, okay, I have, a, I have this source address, I have this interface. Mm. Um, how I'm connected to the network is, is determined entirely by how I'm connected to the network. I can't... Right. So know, my physical IP address right. defines yeah, exactly. the properties of which my path will take. Exactly, right? and you get one path, usually. Yep. And, and we notice that that's actually not really true anymore. So I don't know if you've talked to the people who've done multipath TCP or if you've heard of multipath TCP. So yep. this is... Sure, we've talked about it several times in an, in the data center and out the data center. Yeah, exactly. We know that Apple's doing it in their smartphones, yep. so they can do multipath TCP one over the Wi-Fi, one over the carrier, uh, the, the the 3G, 4G backbone, so that if one goes down, the multipath right. just picks up and transitions over. It only works for Apple apps. It right. doesn't work for everything. And so the the idea is we're looking at this as a trend. This is the first step in a trend right. toward. Um, endpoints as well as servers being um, multiply connected in ways that they actually can get access to the paths outside to the internet and those start to have properties associated with them. We've also seen this come out with the soft the emergence of a category of software defined WAN. Right. Where yep. we see appliances multi not multi-homed but multi-connected. So the days of a WAN where we had an A and maybe a B and one was active and one was standby and that was all our routing protocols could cope with. Right. And even that was a bit tricky for most vendors. Um, what we really have now is companies who are connecting to three, four, or five internet pipes from three, four, five different vendors, and some of them are mobile, and some of them are static, some of them are cable, some of them are DSL, whatever it might be, and then just load balancing the traffic across the available paths. Is it similar to that? Yeah, so one way to look at it is um, that's an enabling technology. This is mm. a thing that we're starting to build. What, do mm. we what can we do when we take all of these things that have a little bit of path awareness in them mm. and smash them all together? Right. This is why it's a research group because, hey, let's take a bunch of stuff that we know that kind of works and let's smash it all together in ways that may not. Yep. It's not standardization, right? I mean, if it is standardization, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, so... Standardization <laughs> comes after you recognize... Exactly. 
after you've defined the problem. You and smash all these things solutions. together, and some good mm. ideas fall out the bottom. You're like, oh, that's actually something that we need to to, to put that into we a product. Could, we could put forward into a standard, exactly, and see it. Or maybe it's worth coding on. Is that right? Yes, yes. Because otherwise, it will be like in when famous cartoon about we have 13 competing standards, so let's mm. sit down and do something, and now we have 14 standards, right? xkcd.com slash 927. Yeah. So the idea there is to base, so the, work, so the research group's basic idea is to come up with a, a, coherent, a pre-agreed approach. We know there's a problem, and if we take it forward to the standards then we won't suddenly have people saying that's the wrong solution. We probably even need to phrase what the problem is, mm -hmm. sure. what problem we want to solve. Mm -hmm. Because people might not necessarily agree in the beginning what the problem is. So, so I would phrase the problem that we're looking at in the, in, in the research group as um, we have all of these technologies that give us more um, control over paths and more choice of paths. That was actually something that came out of the discussion in the research group that we just came from is we talk a lot about path control and path transparency and path discovery and it's really about path choice. It's really about um, uh, two endpoints on a network or yep. something that might be multicast actually being able to figure out the right way to choose how to get the traffic from A to B. Right. And right now this is done you know, in the interdomain case with BGP and you're done and then there's all sorts of routing tricks that happen there. There's the large communities work that's made, yep. uh, made that a little bit more flexible. Um, and you have flexibility in the intradomain routing as well. It's like, how do we take some of this stuff and push it all the way down to the endpoints? Yeah. Right? Um, and there's a lot of hard problems that you run into there. And, and this is what, what Jen was um, alluding to uh, about the what's the problem that we're trying to solve is that they're, they're actually, you start bumping into conflicts of interest here, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I have endpoints, I have multiple network providers. Um, my idea of what the best path for my traffic is going to be might differ from their idea of what the best path is. Yes, and that's not a problem that we have right now, so we don't really know how to yeah, think well, about it. Yeah, we're seeing quite a lot of that at the moment. So what we're seeing, say, again, in the software-defined WAN market is we're seeing companies like ValorCloud and Ariaka, they work by putting um, trunk, either using private MPLS backhaul or the internet as backhaul. So ValorCloud and, and a range of other providers um, actually put nodes in the internet and then work out optimal paths across the internet. Right. And then they calculate how to get the traffic from the endpoint to their nearest node and then track an optimal path across the backbone so right. that they can do global MPLS replacement, right? So that's one definition of path. Another way would be that Ariaka or others like that, they build private uh, Massagy, they build private MPLS backbones and then track you onto their backbone and give you an optimal path to get to your destination. Very useful for building um, in-country uh, networks, but especially globally because the global internet is actually very efficient at long distance because of the way that autonomous systems are never optimal. They're actually suboptimal. The way traffic paths across the internet is usually the worst way out, right? Not that we normally talk about it like that. We're just grateful that it works most of the time. <laughs> And then the third way, of course, is then to use, you know, other people to just connect to the software to find when and just load balance across enough circuits so that the packets get through the other side because of one of the circuits will be fast enough and good enough at a given point in time. So right. that's sort of how I could imagine the different types yeah, of Yeah, those are the different ways you can do it right now, right? Yeah. And the, 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 the research problem that we've set up for ourselves mm -hmm. is how do we take that control, that choice, and push it all the way down to the endpoint? So all the way down to the endpoint, not just... You to know, the workstation, to yeah, the smartphone, well, to, the, to the IoT to, device. To the smartphone, but probably, I mean, to the wherever, you're, wherever you go from internet to non-internet anymore. Okay. And both on both sides, right? Yep, like, yep, so yep. how do you get this all the way down into the, you know, beyond the top of rack switch into 
into the pod, mm. and then how do you get this all the way down to you know the user terminal? Um, mm. This is really interesting. For example, when you start looking at um, directly connected uh, video conferencing, right, where you have mm. like lots of you know the, you no longer have sort of the traffic mix where it's asymmetric. It's just going you know here's the content and here's the here's mm. the eyeball. It's like how what how do you connect eyeballs to each other um, with things like this, and how do you give them um, some of the path choice that you can do right now by um, taking, you know, MPLS or even BGP and putting it into the racks. Like, yeah. that's not going to scale on a smartphone. Okay. Um, but certainly there are things that might. Um, the other thing that gets really interesting when you do this is um, transport protocols, right? Yeah. So MPTCP, it turns out, is, is, is a hard problem because, you know, things like congestion control, packet pacing, and signaling, um, they all... Uh, well, they all sort of break down if you get into multiple paths. When you get into multiple paths, like because it the TCP be just... congestion algorithm assumes right. that there's a single path, and that jitter and latency will be more or less consistent for a given AB. So the way the TCP congestion algorithms work, for example, is that they sort of assume that the path will be consistent. You know, you move yep. up the you, you move up the the, 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 the the slow start curve to a certain point before packets are discarded. If you actually have variable conditions in the circuit, that congestion algorithm gets really screwy. Right. right. Well, and it's, it's, it's even worse than that because the, the choice that the congestion control algorithm has is do I send a packet or not? Hmm. And that's a simple choice. It's like yes or no. That's well, binary. that's the end choice. And yes. now or, it's and which path do I send it down? And you've also got to think about pacing over the path. So you the gotta, new BBR congestion absolutely. algorithms, for example, can start saying I can send so much down this path, but I might have a different congestion algorithm down a second path. And you can start thinking about even future transport protocols that might say, well, okay, I have these end paths, so we're go we've gone beyond just the MPTCP. Um, I've, I'm a smartphone, and I have Wi-Fi and, and cellular, and you have, yeah. I actually have, have negotiated a number of paths, and I have a certain path diversity, so uh, through my path diversity, I can um, have uh, some assurance that you know yeah. connectivity problems aren't going to be a problem for me. And, oh, maybe it turns out that the best thing for me to do is to send um, all of my data down this one path and all of my acts back down a separate path. Yeah. I might have, you know, if I have any sort of forward error correction because I'm on a very, very lossy network. So that would screw congestion algorithms again right, because you your act is one. actually used to signal congestion in the forward path. Exactly. But or unless you're using forward error congestion correction or something like that. You can you can use both. Yes. Right? I mean, so this is not a thing that you can just do. This is not your grandfather's TCP, right? This is yeah. These are our, our spaces sort of in the future transport protocol work that's being done, right? There's some stuff right now that's um, being standardized. I'm sure you've talked to some people about Quick recently. That's sort of the... Uh, not recently. Oh, okay. We no, should get some Quick people to come talk to you because the <laughs> Quick is the cool new thing in the IETF. Yeah, yeah. The I, well, basically, right. the, for those of you at home, um, Quick is the idea of replacing TCP with UDP because fundamentally... Well, we're going to have to do a second podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the key differentiator. Yeah. The UDP... Um, obviates a lot of the slow parts of TCP. TCP made sense when our bandwidth was under 100 megabits per second, but as we move into gigabit class, a lot of the TCP signaling starts to become less useful. Well, and there's a lot of stuff on the path that uh, wants to help you out. Yes. Um, and uh, in some cases it helps, and in more cases it breaks. For some definition breaks. of help. Um, a definition of help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if we've got this problem, the, the challenge is going to be obviously interoperability with legacy. Because if you've got mm -hmm. one node which speaks new path path awareness like and i guess that i guess let's just examine the concept of awareness is awareness the fact that i've got multiple paths is sometimes it? yes sometimes node needs needs to know that there are multiple paths because right. problem i've been facing for example mm -hmm. currently is that your host and enterprise network might not even know there are multiple paths 
Yes. Because it might be multi-homed enterprise. All the host knows is default gateway. I yeah, yeah and host might think there is only one pass, while mm. actually this network is, connect, is connected to two or three ISPs, mm -hmm. and there are more than one pass available. Sure. And there is a work at IETF currently happening to signal it to host yes. in form of provisional domains and so on. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> awareness means we know there is a pass. Yeah. More than one path, and the second problem is what kind of path it is. Yeah. So, do we are we then examining the parameters of the path performance, like speed, lit, um, jitter, latency, um, loss? Are we able to sort of start looking at congestion algorithms that move ahead, or are we looking at a modular process of congestion algorithms so we can actually change them over time? That's why it's a research group, right? Yes. So, yes, 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 and I forget how many questions there were. <laughs> yes. Sorry, they're just all the questions that sit in the back of my head. Yeah. Every time I read these drafts, I go, why don't we just do this? So why don't we just build modular TCP stacks so the congestion algorithm can be changed? It, you it know? turns out that that's actually really hard, too, because you don't know. So there's been a lot of work on this in the transport area in the yeah. past, and we've, we've, we've failed to come up with solutions here. And I think one of the reasons that we failed to come up with solutions, I'm actually, I'm, I'm quoting Joe Touch, who, mm. who sent this out to the... Um, the research group mailing list mm. uh, the other day. One of the reasons that we failed is we generally think of things like jitter and you know these performance characteristics, for example, yep. as link characteristics. Oh, I'm on a cell phone. I'm actually going to get some information from the radio access network about my first hop performance. Yes. Oh, I'm on a cell phone. Therefore, I know that I'm mobile. Therefore, I should use delay-based congestion control. Yep. And the problem is the internet is end-to-end. Yep. That's a major opportunity, but in this case, it's a problem because it means that when you think of these properties as link properties, mm -hmm. you don't know about the, the links behind the link that you can see. It's, and one of the other things, too, that strikes me is as we move to faster and faster networks, and now we're seeing, you know, 100 gig backbones, 200 gig backbones, 400 gig backbones, the, the actual backhaul itself is not a problem today, but it might be in the future. Right. Because well, the fund, we're facing a funding crisis in the backbones as the cost per bit drops away, and they may not be encouraged financially to build big fat pipes in the backbone. Exactly. So then having some information about, I mean, information that you could get from the path about um, mm. how you should balance that with your own traffic engineering is yeah. something that right now is, um, it's not a manual process, but it's not an easy one. Yeah. Um, and certainly um, some of the information that we could get from downstream parts of the path about um, expected load, mm. right? Um, but yeah, when we start looking at these not as link characteristics, but as path characteristics, that the path is is the, the concatenation of all the links, and they each all have different yeah. properties. Every device in the path has to be able to represent a possible... Right. So the more that you the more that you scale this out, the harder it gets, right? Because yeah. you, you, you do have this problem with the, the semantics of the path properties, right? So mm. I can talk about the speed on a path, but yeah. that is what I know about the path now, which but is speed not... speed doesn't necessarily define bandwidth. It doesn't exactly. define... Well, so let's, let's talk about available bandwidth, right? So let's talk about litter and jadency. Yeah. Um, right now, you know, the endpoints do measurements. In a path-aware yeah. network, um, the paths um, know this information. Somehow it gets disseminated down to the endpoint. Yeah. That's going to come late. Well, you measure right? it in band, right. effectively. Exactly. Yeah. But that's going to come um, after the event has Right, heard. yeah. So, so um, and this was another, I forget who said this in, in the research group meeting, but I'm quoting another... Um, uh, comment at the mic, um, basically what you're doing is you're making a bet about what's happening right now based on what you know about the past. And But yeah, the weird part about that is I've already made a bet that I, that I, by using the internet in the first place. 
fair if enough. the bed didn't matter, I'd be using <laughs> private WANs everywhere, and we know right. that private WANs. See, I love people with specious arguments <laughs> who, who take the dumb argument. Well, right? no, That's so the obvious a... point. Is the point is if you send any traffic on the internet, the only guarantee you're going to get is it doesn't work. So you have to make the bet that it is hap- that it will be successful. Right. Otherwise, you kind of now what you can assume is that over time that there will be some sort of temporal change. Right, right? exactly. But the temporal change is a really hard part because there is a, there is a, you're limited by physics as to how fast you can know about how fast the feedback can come and how recent your feedback is. Hmm. So having um, algorithms that can take this information, not just at the endpoint in the link layer, but at the link level, Hmm. but also at the path level, and do something useful with it, there's a lot of research. Effectively what you're saying is we're starting to calculate paths not as Ethernet, which is first hop, effectively, not at layer three, which is um, looking at the path to the router or path a couple of hops up, you know, I'm connected to a mobile, to really shifting sort of path selection to layer four, to where the TCP UDP is, because effectively in the TCP, you know, with the congestion controls and with QUIC, with UDP, because there's congestion algorithms built into the HTTP layer on top of QUIC, right? It's a little more complicated than that, but mm. for, for purposes of this podcast, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... <laughs> There's not a, it's not like Quick doesn't have a congestion algorithm. No, Quick 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 is a congestion controlled transport protocol that looks like UDP on the wire. That that's right, but it's actually the congestion controls done in the HTTP, not in the UDP. No, is it's that right? done in Quick. It's done, done in, in the Quick, quick layer. Right. Okay, so we should be careful to talk about um, Quick, which Google is shipping right now, yep. and the Quick that's being standardized in the IETF. Yeah. So some some things there's some variation. Yeah, between some the things two. Are, are changing as we're yeah. as well as. Google has brought that into the IETF. It's now part of the IETF process. IETF has chain control on it. And um, it is being um, adapted to um, be more secure and to serve a wider range of of use cases. Yeah, exactly. I think think we're going to call this one Quick Quick 1. And it'll be HTTP 2 over Quick 1. Yeah. Yeah, HTTP 2 is fascinating. I'm really excited by it. Because the current version that Google is running is Quick 30-something, and they're Mm. going from 30 three to 34 to 35 to 36 to 37 to one because yeah. that makes sense yes so okay that, <laughs> i wasn't aware of that i sort of stopped yeah. tracking quick a while back because have another look have there's a look only at, so many hours in a day s- see if you can talk to some of the quick people who are who are here yeah. um they're doing really interesting stuff <laughs> yes i like the idea of udp though it really upsets yeah. firewalls <laughs> it's my favorite thing that's a fifth podcast yeah yeah that's true so we sort of covered up all the different areas of pathway networking. What should people do if you're listening to this podcast and you're a practitioner? What is it that people should be aware of that might come out of this research group? Can we come and participate? Should we be reviewing the drafts? Oh, they, first of all, they could sign up to the mailing list because I think most of the work should happen in the mailing list. Yes. It's panrg at irtf.org. Right. And then you can start seeing what the discussion and yeah. maybe start throwing out some of your ideas and your experiences about... Because in the enterprise in particular, we're moving to a multi-path environment. And in the campus, I think, it's going to be very entertaining because um, recently we saw uh, the vendors announced, you know, they're going to overhaul the the campus to be multi-path in effect. And that's going to have some interesting impacts where the overlay network might be uh, moving over physically multi-path underneath, but you're only seeing a single path over the top. And it strikes me that the, the, the what could happen to the applications could be very entertaining. Yep, yep. Oh. Well, and, and we really do um, uh, welcome input um, from your listeners because mm. we, 
we're doing this research because we're trying to solve some problems. And I say there are hard problems that are the underlying hard problems. That's what draws me to this as a researcher. It's a hard problem. And I mean, it's like, ooh, that must be solved. Mm. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it easier to manage networks. We're trying to give people more choice in how they manage networks. Yes. We're just trying to make the internet better. And um, it's crucial that we have input from the people who actually run networks today mm. to see what the problems are, sort of the, 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 the higher layer, the requirements yes. um, for um, how we should drive this stuff forward. So please do comment and uh, have a look mm. at what we're doing, comment on the mailing list. <laughs> and so I think there will be a video available from today's session. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if our listeners have nothing to do on the train. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, please do go to the, um, I think that's up on YouTube, but it's also available yeah. at the IETF site. In It's a bit mind expanding to sort of think about paths as fungible yep. things. Right? We've always thought about paths as, you know, calculate the best route. You know, OSPF loads up a database, forms neighbor relationships, builds a link stake database. We select the best path and we're kind of done, right? And, right. that, and really, and that path is not end to end. It's really just from me to the next router. It's right. not and a path at all. And we're trying to take it end to end. We're trying to take mm. it all the way down to the inputs. We're yep. trying to do better than that. And, and so I, I will say, um, do have a look at uh, actually all all three of the the uh, pre presenters. We basically had mm -hmm. three presenters come in and talk about work that's been done in this space, work they're doing in this space. Mm -hmm. um, so there's uh, also from ETH, Adrian Perig uh, presented the Scion architecture, which is. Uh, a much sort of it's it's a bit farther out. It's like yeah. what can you do with a fully path aware network, and here's how you can build one. Mm. Um, but it's um, uh, that's a few steps of evolution away from where yeah, we are yeah. right now. So this is a and research then, group that will eventually, if if there is a, if everybody can agree that there is a problem that needs solving, a b, and that there is a solution to the problem that's been identified. Then, <laughs> and then see, it, there's a possible agreement on how we could address this absolutely. as a solution. Then, and we do intend to throw things over the wall to the IETF. Yep. And then eventually there'll be a working group which starts to say, here's some things about how we could move to yep. a path-aware networking model, and then there'll be code, and eventually a standard over yep. time. Maybe it'll be better than the IPv6 standard. What, what could be better than IPv6? <laughs> 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 it's, still not, it's still not a standard. It is, it is RFC eight two zero zero. Just released. It's still, released. No. still standard. No. No. no, it's internet standard. It's internet full standard. internet standard now. Is it? Yes. See, that only yes. took eighteen years. It only took Thank eighteen years. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for us to hit twenty percent adoption rate. Yes, I know. <laughs> Well, there you go, people. Thanks very much to the team from the Pathaware Networking to coming and talking to us today. This is quick and fast, which is the way we like it. Um, get over there and check it out. There's some interesting um, thoughts. Uh, for those of you who are studying for certifications and you're still listening, this is the sort of stuff that will challenge the way you think about your um, perception of routing protocols and the way that you should learn about things and why we keep banging on about understanding fundamentals. You need to think about the nature of the word path and not just suck up from some dumb curriculum that'll teach you how to think. As always... I'm Greg Farrow. You can find me at packetpushes.net. There'll be a bunch of show notes and links about the PanRG working group uh, in the show notes associated with this. So head over to packetpushes.net. If you've got commentary or feedback that you want to give us, you can either leave a comment on the blog post that goes with this podcast or email us at packetpushes at gmail.com. And as always, remember that too much technology would never be enough. <laughs>